0: Coming up today on the Dr. Linda Mental Show.
1: If we're fighting with our spouse, if we're feeling kind of insecure in our relationship, or we're trying unsuccessfully to comfort a screaming toddler, we're frustrated with work, all of those types of relational problems can be triggers to eat. And then food gives us that momentary break, or it just gives us a good
0: feeling. The Dr. Linda Mental Show is next.
1: Everyone and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the Relationship Doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel. And every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and we're so glad you've joined us.
0: Dr. Linda, I refuse to sing it, but I'll say it's the most wonderful time of the year.
1: Sing it, Chris. You can do it.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Ain't going to happen.
1: Well, listen, I don't think people know that a lot of times when they hear the in-between the segments of our show that you're playing the piano.
0: Really? (laughs) So bad. (laughs) How did that happen? One thing is for sure. This is a year that we need a wonderful time of the year. We do. if, If ever there has been a year. So much has changed, but one thing we can still do in the middle of a pandemic is eat and bake (laughs) lots of christmas goodies
1: yeah this is a good thing i guess but uh (laughs) given all the stress we're under i'm wondering how much more we're going to eat and bake than the usual time i know there's big emphasis on cooking all the time during a holiday, right? This is no different. But this year, maybe we're going to be having a little bit more stress and maybe food will be our object of our stress Mm. in terms of trying to reduce it. And, you know, just normally the holidays can trigger a lot of stress eating because there's just so much extra food and goodies around. Have you ever caught yourself saying, Chris, why did I just eat that? I wasn't hungry. I can't believe I just ate that.
0: <laughs> every evening at about 10, 1030. <laughs> oh,
1: ten. Trying not to do that at night. Yeah. Well, you're in good company because uh, we all do this from time to time. It's called stress eating. It's eating when we're not hungry, but we're feeling stressed. And it usually leaves us asking that question. Why did I just eat that? Well,
0: to clarify, I eat every night at 1030 just out of a bad habits you do because i like to i eat a bowl of cereal every night you're not 10.
1: overweight though
0: no but i just enjoy eating cereal at 10:30 at night
1: sometimes with the digesting it keeps people awake
0: yeah not me it's <laughs> you like, are
1: an aberrant person
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm off by 12 hours a yeah. bowl of cereal and a cup of coffee at 10:30 <laughs> at night that's right so it's not necessarily stress eating but i know what you're talking about and when we do stress eat we feel even more stressed about it and we eat more
1: it becomes this really vicious cycle And it's one that we all try to work on breaking. Once we eat and we have that sense of defeat or regret, you know, that we're talking about, like, oh, why did I just do that? You're right. It leads to more overeating because then we feel bad. A lot of times people just give in and go, whatever, in the middle of that because (laughs) I'm already eating. And we kind of believe, ah, food's more powerful than I am. Mm. And we kind of feel hopeless about making a change in that.
0: Well, stress eating is supposed to make us feel better. Uh, But we actually, like you said, feel worse. It's, It's just regret.
1: I know. You got it.
0: So if we know that it ultimately doesn't work to stress eat, why do we do it?
1: Like so many other things, when we need immediate relief, we know that that's what it does. It's an immediate gratifier. Food really does work like that. But in the long run, we're using it to feel better for the moment. It doesn't work in the long run because then we end up feeling bad. And it ultimately leads people... In most cases to gain weight not you but most people <laughs> it does it does and it, it forms a lot of unhealthy eating patterns too that make it harder to eat healthy when you want to
0: that is true and now I've noticed that we don't usually go for you know carrots and broccoli or when, kale yeah uh, you have some research that tells us what women and men eat when we're stressed
1: so what would you guess isn't the number one food for both genders
0: I'm going to say it's not broccoli and carrots. (laughs) Or kale. Kale, right.
1: (laughs) Kale I just don't get with anybody. But anyway, uh, the number one stress food for both genders. Are you ready? Drum roll. Okay. Ice cream.
0: Ah.
1: Ice cream actually calms the central nervous system, but then it really wreaks havoc on our blood sugar, and it leaves us tired. It leaves us hungry for more. So in the long run, ice cream is a number one choice, but it really doesn't work on calming us down long term. After ice cream, our choice for stress eating is different for men and women. Overall, it seems like women eat more in response to stress than men do. But women actually tend to crave sweets. Mm. And research shows that this is true. I don't know that we needed research to tell us that, right? Nope. When, nope. <laughs> when, when <laughs> I am stressed, I am going to go for something sugary with fat in it, like donuts or something like that. But let's do a test. You're stressed, and you have before you, Chris, cookies. Pizza, yogurt.
0: Let's eat all of them.
1: <laughs> no, no, this is—you have to pick one oh, okay. on this. Which of the foods would be more tempting for you?
0: I think I may be a little bit outside of the box here, but uh, I would pick the cookies.
1: No, you're supposed to pick the pizza. Uh, I
0: know, but <laughs> I would. I know men typically would go for a more salty, more yes. heavy type thing. Yeah, right?
1: yeah, they would. The hearty foods, the comfort mm-hmm. foods, and here's the reason why they think that's true. They think that that reminds them more of their mom's home cooking. <laughs> No, You're the outlier of this research. (laughs) You're throwing the whole thing off. (laughs) I don't think women associate those protein-dense foods like meats and soups. Mm -hmm. I I just think they're too much work. Like when I think of that stuff, I think, oh, I'd have to make all that and fix all that. Much easier to reach for chocolate in the sweets then the stress hormones kick back and we crave comfort foods and it gets associated with de-stressing so what's happening is we're associating food with calming down and feeling better with Mm. our stress but the honest truth is food is not the solution to de-stressing
0: that's right and i have a feeling on this program you are going to help us with that you have a book on this topic titled press pause before you eat it's available on your website
1: I wrote this book a while back, but it really was an important book for me because I did a lot of work on eating disorders Mm -hmm. and people that were having problems compulsively overeating or eating when you're not hungry. And that really is the key of that book. It's really to tune into what true hunger feels like and then break the habit of eating From either stress or any other emotional state. A lot of us need help that way because we do reach for food when we're feeling stressed and we want to calm down. So I think it's one of those books that if you find yourself having a difficult time with stress eating, it could really help you understand it better.
0: And one thing that you do talk about in the book that we are going to uh, look into as the show goes on here is there is a spiritual connection or maybe a little bit of a spiritual lacking in our lives that can lead to eating improperly
1: we eat out of all types of emotions Mm -hmm. one of those can be a spiritual hunger that we feel too so we're going to get into that as we move along into the next couple of segments of the show
0: the book is called press pause before you eat and you can find it on dr linda's website drlindamental.com we will talk more about the pause principle on the dr linda mental show Hey, it's Chris from the Dr. Linda Mental Radio Show. Dr. Linda's latest book is titled Living Beyond Pain. It gives practical tools to anyone who is living with chronic pain and wants to get his or her life back on track. Recently, Dr. Linda's listeners had questions about pain, and she answers those questions with tips from her book, Living Beyond Pain.
1: I was really upset with my daughter when she told me that the pain that I was feeling was all in my head and that I should be able to just think it away. Dr. Linda, is that true? Yeah, so that brings up such an important point about pain. Pain is a perception that comes from the activity that's in the brain. Based on that, you could say it's all in your head, right? Because right? it is physiologically in your head mm. and emotionally in your head because of the way pain perception develops in the brain. But you're not making it up. And that's the clear difference. It's in the brain. It's remembered. It involves past learning and emotions that you experience. We have this little saying when I'm teaching about pain to medical students. I always say the bane of pain is mainly in the brain.
0: That sounds like like something Eliza Doolittle would say. (laughs) Where it came from.
1: (laughs) Um, But it is really a protective system that is turned on. And it's sensory, it's emotional, it's cognitive. It involves your body sensations. And the work in dealing with chronic pain is to really desensitize your brain so that you can turn down that volume of pain. If you change your pain perception, that's the goal when we're working with people with pain. We're not teaching them to think away their pain, but work on those factors that turn up or down the volume of pain.
0: Hey, thanks, Dr. Linda. If you would like a copy of Dr. Linda Mental's book, Living Beyond Pain, go to DrLindaMental.com or you can find Living Beyond Pain anywhere books are sold online. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and today we are talking about stress eating. We have a lot more to talk about, but before we move on, I want to remind you to check out Dr. Linda's website, drlindamental.com, and that's where you will find her blogs, books, and you can connect with Dr. Linda on social media. The book that relates to today's topic is called Press Pause Before You Eat. And it helps with stress and emotional eating. And uh, listen to today's program and share our podcast on iTunes anytime, especially the next time you want to uh, stress eat.
1: Or you have somebody you know who deals with that.
0: Yeah, put that cookie down and listen to this broadcast. That's right. (laughs) Before we move on, Dr. Linda, uh, you have written a lot about weight, food, and body image. Why have you uh, focused so much on that?
1: I had especially practiced for years, Chris, with eating disorder patients. And then I moved into working with people that were struggling with obesity. And, of course, when you're working with people that have food and weight problems, you start to think about all the ways that you can overeat, right? Mm -hmm. You can overeat from stress, overeat from boredom, a lot of different emotions. And, you know, you don't have to have an actual clinical problem to deal with food problems. You can actually just be thinking, I don't want to be this weight. I don't want to gain weight from eating under stress. I really want to get a handle on this. So one of the reasons I wrote Press Pause was because I wanted people to be able to be intentional, thinking what triggers my eating when Mm -hmm. I don't want to eat so that we stop saying, why did I just eat that? Right.
0: (laughs) In the community where I grew up, there were two places you could eat. There was a drive-through hamburger type joint and then about six miles down the road an ice cream stand, hot dog type place.
1: In the whole town there were two places?
0: Yes. Well, oh, now, wow. we're talking that was you 30 know, some years ago. Yeah. Now, you can go not far and there is every possible option for a restaurant you you could ever want. My point is, how much does simply having access to too much food play a role in stress eating?
1: Yeah, I, a few years ago I did a PBS special called mm-hmm. Surviving Abundance. And it wasn't just what you're saying. There's so much abundance of food around us. Right. And that's a big factor. We eat sometimes just because we can, right? Yeah. You used to walk past the smoothie bar and you'd see those big machines foaming up all those wonderful <laughs> tropical concoctions, right? And mm-hmm. just seeing that might make you think, oh, I'll have one of those. Or on a cold winter's night, you know, it feels good to get a cup of cocoa and uh, maybe put some peppermint mocha in it, and it makes you feel good. Or you're watching the television commercials, and you see some type of food on the commercial, and it's telling you, go to your freezer Go to your mm. freezer. Get that food. Yeah. So our environment really provides lots of opportunities to cue us to eat. And it provides a lot of inviting choices. And then we respond, especially when we you know, want to feel good and or we're feeling stressed.
0: I mean, there was a day when you'd go to a gas station to get gas. Now you go to the gas station and you can go in and make a, a, a sub sandwich. Yeah, and
1: fried get, chicken. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about the types of stress that trigger reaching for food or, as we've been saying, you know, pulling over at the gas station and getting a bucket of chicken. I would think that uh, boredom is a big factor because it's definitely the, the case with me. That's why I eat when I do.
1: But it's not the number one. And that really surprised me. When I guessed it before I was looking at all the data on this, I thought maybe boredom would come up number one.
0: Boredom is not the number one reason we eat.
1: It's not. Maybe during the pandemic. Because we're kind of bored being in our home. So maybe that would be changing during the pandemic.
0: I'm going to wager a guess here and say the number one reason we eat is uh, during celebrations.
1: That's right. It's being happy. It's being happy. That's a little surprising to me because happy and stress Mm -hmm. don't really go together. (laughs) I mean, we're talking about stress eating. But it is true that we use food to celebrate, like you're saying. And a lot of times we do overeat at holidays. That are happy times, right? Mm -hmm. So we can be overeating during the holidays, maybe not so much due to stress, but I do think all the hurriedness that usually comes with the holidays, the stress, the different emotions that people are feeling, getting together with maybe family you haven't seen in a long time, or maybe those difficult family members, eating can distract us from all kinds of uncomfortable feelings. It can also connect us to memories of people that we love that used to cook certain things Mm, that we keep bringing back at the holiday times. Food comforts us when we're lonely, when we're rejected. It can, in some ways, be like a drug and can medicate us from bad feelings and really calm us down when we're stressed.
0: Well, you are the relationship doctor. I am. I am. You talk (laughs) about how how we stress eat because of our relationships, like you just mentioned. Uh, Let's talk more about that.
1: If we're fighting with our spouse, if we're feeling kind of insecure in our relationship, if we're stressed by the demands of elderly parents. Or we're trying unsuccessfully to comfort a screaming toddler Mm -hmm. at those moments. (laughs) We're frustrated with work. All of those types of relational problems, relationship problems, can be triggers to eat. And then food gives us that momentary break in the tension, or it just gives us a good feeling. So be aware that relationships can trigger you to eat under stress.
0: Before the break, we mentioned the book that you wrote, Press Pause Before You Eat. And you developed something called... The pause principle, not pause like on a dog, but P A U S E.
1: Good catch. It
0: helps us to be mindful of stress eating.
1: So, the first one, the P in the pause, we're going to spell it out, is purposeful. And that is to make it intentional that you're not going to use food for stress relief. Mm-hmm. If you start off with that idea and you delay eating about 20 minutes, usually what will happen is that craving will stop.
0: I've heard you can drink a glass of water. Does that help?
1: It might help you. It's being intentional again, it's stopping yourself being aware of that. The A in that pause, so we've got the P for purpose, the A for attend, that is looking at your body, trying to think, am I under tension right now? Do I feel stressed? Am I, you know, is my body tense? Whatever it is, maybe you just kind of pay attention to what's happening in your body. And then the U in the pause is for understand. And that's really understanding that connection between food and what's triggering you to eat. So maybe it's when you talk to your mother-in-law or you have a critical comment from your boss or you're trying to, you know, do something that you're not good at and you just feel frustrated, then you reach for food. Whatever that is, when you understand it, you can maybe remove the source of the stress or you can deal with the stress differently. And that relates to the S-CRIS, which is to strategize, ways to reduce, to prevent, to tolerate stress without using food. So that's the key. Don't use the food. Instead, you want to come up with some other plan. So if you're very stressed and you need to maybe take a time out, sometimes you can sit and soak in a hot tub. You can listen to music. You can pray. You can do some deep breathing to calm your body down. You can have a quiet time uh read sometimes, distract your brain, listen to something, you know, that will distract you on TV, or even just calling a friend. All of those can help.
0: Or you can start drinking alcohol.
1: But that's what a lot of people do. And that's one of the reasons why we have so much trouble with alcoholism in our country because people are medicating the stress away. So we're we're doing pause, so the P was purpose, the A was attend to your body, the U is to understand the connection between the triggers, and then the S is to come up with a strategy. Now, the E in the pause is you got to do it. It stands for execute. Mm -hmm. Execute those small changes, put it into action, don't skip meals, try to practice self-care when you're stressed, and do some other things.
0: Press pause before you eat. I I see why you chose that title for your book. Give us more examples of what to do when we do press pause.
1: Have you ever just taken a walk outside or maybe walked around the block.
0: Mm, Now, it's not
1: always possible when people live in high-rises and big cities, but, and sometimes in Minnesota when the weather is minus 20. Oh, that's
0: the best time to go out. (laughs) that is not.
1: (laughs) We we visited Minnesota one time when it was like minus 20. We had to walk to a target, I remember, and our face had to be completely covered that only could see our eyes. Wow. It scared me, actually, but it was very cold. Uh, Talk to someone. Sometimes that really helps Mm -hmm. if you can just, you know, reach out to someone. I think music, like i mentioned is a big one sometimes just cleaning yes. get up and clean something that's you could, great I you can be productive that. in mm-hmm. the process maybe play with your pet maybe count to 10 and you know count backwards to 10 to distract your brain away from whatever the thing is getting you so upset about and of course we always think it's a good idea to pray maybe journal your thoughts and a good one is to exercise instead of eat
0: I'll have to say that's the one that probably would call on E the most from pause because you have to execute it and you have to get up and go do it. That's right. On the practical side, what else helps?
1: Don't keep stress treats in your house. Mm. If you don't buy them, you're not going to eat it. Right. Right. So that's one. If you're really struggling with this, just keep those treats out of the house. And then if you give in and you think, oh, i got to have it, I just have to have it, just eat a small amount of a treat, not the whole thing. Mm-hmm. A couple of bites is all you need, and that usually that craving will go away. Another one is just make yourself eat only at the table.
0: I do that in our kitchen at the island. Yes. Because you're standing at the island, and especially if it's something that you could potentially eat like a whole box of. Right. It tends to make you want to just stand there, get a bite or two, and then move on.
1: Another help is to wrap things in foil so that you don't see them on the counter, and you won't be tempted to just grab them in between when you're bored. And then the good one for a lot of people would be just stop eating at night. Don't eat after dinner. Um, Make it an all-or-nothing choice.
0: See, that's the thing. Like I said, I I love cereal at 1030 at night.
1: Well, if it's not stress eating, Mm -hmm. if you're just hungry or you want a bowl of cereal, that would be different. But if you're really eating out of stress, then you can just make it an all-or-nothing choice. I'm not going to eat after this time.
0: Right. Well, these uh, principles are from Dr. Linda's book, Press Pause Before You Eat. And we just went through the P-A-U-S-E the acronym from which Dr. Linda took pause. When we come back, let's talk about the spiritual aspect of stress eating here on the Dr. Linda Mental Show.
1: Is every spare minute of your life filled with some activity, event, or demand? If so, you could be suffering from a very common American disease. It's called overcommitment. And it has seeped into every area of our lives. I'm Dr. Linda, the relationship doctor, and yes, I'll admit it, I've fallen prey to overcommitment in my life just like I imagine you have. Saying no occasionally is the best defense against overcommitment. But if it's too late and you're already overcommitted, here's a little tip to help you make it through. In the busiest days, you can still stop and take five just for yourself. When your heart is racing and your thoughts are whirling inside your head, your effectiveness just plummets. But if you'll pause right in the middle of all the hubbub, maybe close your eyes, breathe deeply, and remind yourself that the current task will be completed, you'll feel an immediate sense of relief. Then you can head back into the job at hand with renewed focus and energy. And when the next chance comes to overcommit, it comes your way, you can work on your priorities by just saying, hey, no.
0: We are back talking about how to break stress eating in case you just joined us you're listening to the dr linda mental show and dr linda has written numerous books that you can find on her website or online and the one we are talking about today is press pause before you eat and check out her website drlindamental.com and don't forget about the podcast on itunes
1: I love the fact that we have a podcast and that anybody can listen to it any time. So you could share that podcast with somebody who's struggling with stress eating. And maybe instead of eating, you could be walking and listening to the podcast and getting some help.
0: Just don't eat and listen to the That's podcast right. at the same That's time. Right. Go out and find something to do is the point, I guess. Right. So. And
1: listen to us and get some help with this. Mm-hmm.
0: And then share it because someone you know is probably struggling with the same thing. And Dr. Linda, you've given us the pause principle from your book, Press Pause Before You Eat, to help us to remember how to stop stress eating. You've also applied this principle to our spiritual lives as well.
1: Yes, because something we may not think about is this. We can stress eat out of a spiritual hunger. I know we mentioned that really early on in the Mm -hmm. show, but I don't know that we connect the fact that we might be feeling a spiritual void. We might be restless. We might be feeling unfulfilled. Maybe we feel like, what's the purpose of my life? Where am I going with what I'm doing? And we're not really sure how to bring meaning in our lives. And all of that can create stress, and you can stress eat as a result of that. So we're going to apply this pause principle, Chris, to the spiritual part of our lives as well.
0: See, I think we'll need to get into into some detail here, because I would never have thought that something missing in my spiritual life would cause me to want to stress eat. Putting the two together has never occurred to me before.
1: I noticed that in therapy with a lot of people. They were just eating. They weren't thinking about it. They weren't being intentional about their eating. And they didn't really know what was underneath that, what was creating this sort of nervous, almost anxious habit of just grabbing food. Hmm. And when we really got down to it, there was a spiritual void, a spiritual hunger that people were feeling. Now, if you remember, the first P in the pause principle was purpose. Mm-hmm. So if we think about what is our purpose, what is it that we're trying to do, there are so many people in our culture who have no idea. And they're really struggling. Why am I here? What am I doing? And they don't understand that there's a void in their life that they could be addressing through food. The A in the pause principle is to attend, and it would be really to attend to those feelings of restlessness that you might be having, the boredom that you're feeling, that lack of purpose, that discontent. We talked just momentarily about medicating that feeling Mm. with alcohol, but we do have a lot of us in the culture who are using substances to medicate that lack of really knowing what to do with those feelings. So what does it take to have peace and contentment? What is it that we need to do to really trust in God? We have to attend to that in our lives.
0: It's amazing that uh, a faith crisis can manifest itself in overeating. Like I said, I'm I'm still...
1: Chewing on that? Yes.
0: Yeah, chewing on it. (laughs) (laughs) Chewing on that fact.
1: Yeah, that's why we're bringing this up, because I don't think a lot of people connect the dots when it comes to your spiritual life and Mm -hmm. then maybe the fact that you could be overeating.
0: We've made it through the P and the A in pause. What is the U?
1: Well, understanding that spiritual hunger really requires spiritual food. So what are you really craving? Are you craving more intimacy with God? Are you craving more meaning for your life? You know, Jesus is the bread of life. He describes himself as a food, when you think about it, and he promises that he will satisfy our hunger. Augustine said, you, God, talking about God, Have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find our rest in you. So, does that make sense to you that you could have a spiritual void, but you're not going to satisfy it unless you have spiritual hunger?
0: Obviously, Jesus is the creator, and he knew that that was there, that that void could be there. So he, look at that, describes himself as the bread Bread of of life. life. Makes makes sense, yes.
1: And the S is to strategize ways to improve your spiritual intimacy with God. So develop your spiritual life, a quiet time, regular Bible reading, studying, maybe get into a Bible study, a small group in, in your church, prayer group, whatever it takes, and then execute all of those things. That's called spiritual discipline. And focus and practice on the disciplines of prayer, reading the word, renewing your mind, becoming more intimate with God, being obedient to his word. Basically, put legs to your faith by living in obedience to God's word. You know, we're created, Chris, to be with God. And when we ignore this, we're empty and we're longing for something more. In a sermon published in The Weight of Glory by C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite writers, Lewis describes this type of desire, this wanting something more as The scent of a flower we have not yet found, or the echo of a tune we have not yet heard. News from a country we have never visited. And I love that because Lewis was referring to our desire for completion that cannot be met through food or any other natural means. You know, God doesn't promise to remove stress from our lives. As long as we breathe, we're going to have stress. But he does promise to complete us, to keep us in perfect peace when our minds are stayed on him. He promises his presence, his comfort as well. And that's better than any slice of cake or ice cream sundae. God's presence is always with us. He never leaves us. He never abandons us. And he won't be used up like food. So the next time you're stressed and you're tempted to eat, reach for the bread of life. Drink from the living water and be satisfied. That's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer, Norm Mintel and our engineer and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who makes the show a conversation from all of us here at Faith Radio. We'll talk to you next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better, and you don't have to do it alone.